Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. My name is Tony, and today is episode 179 of the podcast, where I sit down with author and Christian thought leader, Katie Boatman. Katie, I heard on Annie F. Downs' podcast, that sounds fun, and she wrote a devotional called um, 100 Devotions to Calm Your Heart and Mind. You Can Rest. And it's designed, it's designed for tweens, specifically tween girls, 8 to 12. So when I heard the interview with Annie, I immediately thought of my daughter, Shiloh. I thought about how anxious sometimes she can be. And I went out and bought the book. And then I bought the book and she absolutely loved it. She being Shiloh. So I thought, you know, I've got to get Katie on the podcast. We had a great conversation about anxiety, about rest, about this age group of children. So if you wrestle with any kind of anxiety, you're going to want to listen to what she has to say. Hey, and if you enjoy this podcast, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen, leave a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify, and the highest compliment you can give us, share this episode with a friend. Maybe somebody who you know that has tween daughters. They need this. I promise you, they need it. (laughs) Guys, I'm so thankful for you. And now without any further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Katie. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to have Katie Boatman with us today. Katie, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Tony. So um, I heard you first on Annie Downs' podcast, and you were talking about your brand new uh, resource, um, So You Can Rest. And then I bought it and immediately reached out to you after I got it in my hands because it is wonderful. And we're going to jump into all sorts of things including the impact it's had on my daughter in just a short amount of time. But I always love to start by asking people a a kind of a big question, which is, how would you describe your calling? That is a big question. You know, I think in my 20s, I was searching for that answer for a long time and trying to figure out this like, you know, big light bulb moment. Like, what is my calling? And honestly, I got some clarity in my 30s and it really went back to scripture that mm. at um or as you know Jesus comes back to life right he's resurrected and before he leaves earth he gives us a mission in the great commission at the end of Matthew he says go and make disciples of all nations and i've come to realize that at the end of the day that really is my calling and it's a calling for all of us that follow Jesus and yes it looks differently in how that plays out day to day And whether you're in a cubicle in an office or whether you're working in a church, whether you are teaching school, we all have this same calling to go and make disciples and we get to live that out wherever we are. Um, You don't know this probably, but disciple making is my favorite thing to talk about in the planet. Yeah, Like I, I absolutely love it. I think it's the next big revival in the church. Uh, I'm curious, how does that, uh, what does that look like in your life? Because we, you know, around here, we always say that it's, it needs to be intentional, relational, and reproducible, good disciple making. How does it, uh, how does it play out for you? What's it look like? How do you decide who you're going to pour into that sort of thing? Yeah. It's always looked a little different season to season. I have always had a passion for students and teenagers and just kind of pouring into the generation behind me. So for a lot of years, it was leading small groups of teenagers through my church 
or um, I was a Young Life leader in college, so pouring into students that way. Some seasons, it's been just one or two students who I've had a close, close relationship with and inviting them in to you know, study the Bible with me once a week at my house. Um, recently, it's been a group of girls that are my neighbors. I moved into a new house about a year ago, and I really felt God just leading me to love on my neighbors. And so I got to know them and I said, hey, you know, I know this can be kind of awkward. Like, I don't know where everyone stands with church and Jesus and the Bible, but would you be interested in starting a study with me and we can do this together? And I was shocked that every single one of them said yes, because I could tell that they were hungry and searching for something, especially coming off of such a hard couple of years, right? So I... I'm big on discipleship too. I love to talk about it. And I think it looks, it's not a formula, right? It looks different every season of our lives. But when we remember that our mission field is really where we're planted, it's it's right under our feet, then it's just looking for those opportunities to build relationships with people and point them back to Jesus at the end of the day. Amen. That'll that'll <laughs> preach any day of the week. I'm here yes. for all of it. <laughs> uh, I I know that there's probably somebody listening who's like, "Okay, Katie, that sounds great, but you know, I don't feel like I'm ready to make disciples." So let me ask you this: How did you know when you, it was time to take up that burden to to go there for and make disciples? I don't know that I ever had that like one light bulb moment. Honestly, it just. For me, I think it had to kind of grow through a confidence in who God is, which really happened mm. a lot in my like college and early twenty year early twenties years. That as I grew in my faith with Him and an understanding of Scripture, then I realized, oh, He really is who He says He is. And so, for me, it was just beginning to have a little more comfortability with having conversations with people about Him. So it was never like this one day, you know, moment, but I knew that my life would really be hopeless if I didn't have him. And so Mm. I don't know how to not talk about him, you know, like I don't know how to navigate a life without the love of God and without that forgiveness and that grace and that hope. And so it just kind of became a natural thing. And now I'm more passionate about it, obviously, and a little more fired up, but it's just been a confidence in who he is. Yeah. I always think of it like, um, having kids for me, like I, if you would have said, are you ready for kids? I would say never. Like, I don't, I still don't feel equipped or, um, prepared for what my kids bring home. As a matter of fact, tomorrow, my oldest son's getting his driver's license and my wife and I are slightly freaking out about it. He's, 16 wait he's got a girlfriend we're just we're just praying a lot more now than we ever have (laughs) but the thing is you're never ready um until you're in the season are are there any like go-to resources that you're like okay when i'm gonna disciple the neighborhood girls is there a go-to kind of tool that you always like to pull out of the tool bag honestly the bible i know that sounds so basic but like No, it's perfect. I like to start with the book of John because I think it's a simple place to start to learn who Jesus is first, you know, and, and then walk through some of the other gospels and, and Romans is such a rich place to be too. So 
I honestly start there because I also realized too that I think is is people, at least for me, who grew up in the church, I mm. got so used to kind of that like Christianese language that we can use sometimes and just this assumption that people know what to do when they open the Bible and they don't. And we can so quickly get into this mode of like, let me throw out how much I know about this, this, and this, and like my theology and all the things. And while I, I believe in an importance of understanding the Bible, I also think that it's great to open our Bibles and say, hey, you know, let me show you even where to start, or let me show you yeah. what it means when I'm referring to this scripture, what like the numbers mean and where these chapter and how these books all fit together because it's intimidating. And I find it really refreshing to actually sit with people who are new to the Bible because it reminds me of where to start and where to begin. And so I never want someone to feel so intimidated by, you know, scripture that they won't pick it up. Yeah. I think I love the fresh eyes aspect of it too. Yeah. When working with somebody who's like, if I'm discipling somebody who's never really been in scripture before, there's a beauty to it that is just so, um, it reminds me of when Jesus talked about that childlike faith, because it's just, there's, there's a, there's no church hurt. There's no church baggage. There's no like cultural theology kind of baked in. It's just like, right. oh, so this is what Jesus says. This is what we should do. And I'm like, why can't I ever think about that? <laughs> I know. I know. I get so caught up in all these tedious things and I'm like, wait, no, let me just go back to the basics here. Yeah. So in addition to being an author, you also do some work with a organization um, that a lot of my listeners are going to be familiar with that has, has been instrumental in my, my wife's faith journey, the, the If Gathering. Can you talk a little bit about what that what that is for maybe our listeners who, who don't know, the five of them who don't know? Sure. Yes, we are a women's ministry really founded and based on discipleship. Our, our goal and our mission is to equip women with resources and events to help them go make disciples who will make disciples. So that's why I am so passionate about it. I have an incredible team that I get to be a part of and um, work under the leadership of Jenny Allen. And we, most people know us because we put on an event once a year called If Gathering, and we simulcast it out to churches and small groups around the world. So we just had our most recent one back in the beginning of March. And then throughout the year, we are also putting out resources just to put in the hands of women and the local church to help them go make disciples. Are, are you seeing anything different uh, post-COVID? I don't know if we can officially say post-COVID, but tail end of COVID. W what's the vibe like now than it was uh, one or two years ago? H how are things changing in people's hunger for community? I'm, I'm really curious about from your vantage yeah, point. Yeah, I think what we've seen is people 100% are hungry for community, and they're also really tired. I think we said that you know, last fall, like, man, people are so tired, but I think it's still true. We're still all collectively mm. coming out of a really hard two years. And, you know, even though we are fired up to be back with people and we're excited to show up in person to churches and events again, and like, even it, you know, it's spring and summer and there's so many end of the year things going on. I still am just sensing when I talk to people that, we're tired. And it's like, we don't know how to go back to life as it was before when it was so packed and busy. 
we're now exhausted by it, right? And I think it's a little bit of pruning. I think that needs to happen of us saying, okay, yeah. so what are the things that we don't need to go back to? And where are we going to prioritize our time? Um, and I know for me personally, I don't know that I see this like across the board, but for me personally, I think the past couple of years has created this urgency in me that, you yeah. know, we don't know what the future holds. And I know that we like to throw out that phrase of like, what if Jesus comes back tomorrow? But the last couple of years really did put that in my mind. Like, what if Jesus really did come back tomorrow? Did I, did I tell people about this hope? You know, did mm. I do the things that I felt called to do while I was here on earth? So, um, yeah, it's, it's so interesting what <laughs> this has all made us think about. So I'm curious if you or, or your team have found any ways to be less tired. <laughs> are, you, are you guys, did you guys come up with any, like, I mean, I, I know some pastors who are going to take sabbaticals this okay. summer for the first time in a long time. I mean, obviously people aren't going back to work. Everybody's doing a whole lot of things. Meanwhile, you're over here cranking out a book, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> how, how do we, any thoughts on how to be less tired? Well, my team actually is being more intentional about resting this summer. We put in some extra rest time um, so that we can step back for a minute and just process what mm. the last couple of years have been and really ask God, like, what do you want for this next season? And so even though we have some scheduled time in place, I'm also trying to challenge myself of like, how do I do that well on the weekends or at night? Like even carving away at like, social media, like let's turn social media off for sure. a day or two on the weekend, or I'm trying to pick up more books. I know people assume that like writers and authors read all the time, but I spend so much work doing the writing that I'm not always reading other things. <laughs> so I'm trying to do some reading just for enjoyment and fun in this like spring, summer season. And, um, yeah, just trying to be you a should little start bit a podcast. <laughs> they send lots of books. If you podcast, everybody sends books. They're so that's, good. It's a great way I, to get books. Yeah, that's what I hear. You got a whole <laughs> stack of just things to go through. But yeah, honestly, I'm trying to also pick out the things that are life-giving to me. Like I love being outside, going on a walk, or I love to kayak and those kind of things that just fill me up. So that's what I'm trying to add more of to my schedule this summer in mm. order to just step back for a second. It, it's a, um, this conversation is a great transition into this book. Uh, you can rest. And I, I was hoping that you might be willing to share that kind of the Genesis story of how this came to be and, um, kind of the, the birthday present turned into a huge project. Yes, of course. So in the summer of 2020, when we were, smack in the middle of the pandemic, I was trying to think of a special gift for my niece, Shelby. She was turning 10 in August and she and I have a close little relationship. And so I thought, you know, let, let me do something special for her 10th. And at the same time, I was also itching to write something that was a project for me because I do a lot of writing for work, but I needed something that was, you know, not work related and so I was saying all this out loud to my mom on the phone one day, and she said, you know, Shelby mentioned to me recently that she really loves to read something at night to calm her mind hmm. before she goes to bed because there's just so much going on in her little brain. And 
there's part of me that kind of stopped because it broke my heart a little bit to think that yeah. at 10 or nine, I guess she was about to turn 10, that that's what she needed. Cause I know as an adult, like, yeah, my mind's spinning before bed, but I didn't think about her in that aspect. And so as we talked about it more, I thought, you know, I could write something for her. Like that would be such a fun and special thing to do for her birthday. So I started writing and I, I thought, you know, I'll do like a 30 day devotional for her. And then as the time ticked on, like her birthday was August the 21st. I was like, Oh, I don't have time for 30 days. So I wrote 10, I was like 10 devotions for her 10th (laughs) birthday. This makes sense. And I have a background in book publishing. I used to work in on the marketing side of book publishing for about eight years. And because of that, I was like, I want to do this. I want to, you know, make a cute cover and have somebody edit it and just make sure it's done right. And as I continued to work on it, I thought, well, maybe there's friends and family who want this as well. And so I decided to self-publish it. And um, I gave it to Shelby first before I put it up on Amazon. And she was so sweet. Like in her words, she says that she was in awe when I gave it to her. And she jumped right in and started reading it that night. And then I started sharing the link with friends and family. And what I didn't expect is that there was, there was a great response to it. And so some of my publishing friends reached out and they were like, Hey, why didn't you send this over to us? And so we started having conversations about taking those 10 days and turning them into a hundred. And so I started writing in, um, I think it was October of 2020. I started writing the 100 day version of you can rest And then it came out March 29th of this year, and it has just been an honor to get to put it into the hands of more girls. And I went to Shelby's friends, too, as I was writing, and I said, hey, will you guys kind of be, I called them my unofficially official board of directors. (laughs) I said, will you help me? Because I really wanted to know what it is that they were struggling with and worrying about so that I wasn't just making up my answers, right. That I was actually writing something that would be helpful. And I took all of their answers to my questions, um, and put it in a giant spreadsheet and, and just started, you know, ticking away at like, okay, this is what they said they worried about. So let me look at scripture and say, what's the promise here? What does God say? He promises. What does he say about fear and anxiety and worry? And how can I offer just a reminder of what's true when they truly are having Mm. trouble falling asleep because they're worried. So that's really how this all came about. It's so good. Uh, So uh, when I, when I messaged you, I I mentioned my daughter Shiloh. She's, she's the the youngest of my three. She's my princess. Okay. And she's always been my princess. She will always be my princess. I apologize to whoever she ends up marrying. I just, (laughs) I just, it it is what it is. We're here now. Yeah. So um I I it breaks my heart, like you said, that she's so stressed out. And and you know, my wife and I have studied the Enneagram. We think that she might be a one. We're not sure, but she's like she's like all over kind of like it, it's like you're reading her mind in this devotional. What, what do you think is I, is one is this is this normal with the, the the twin girls that you're seeing and two is this um what what do you think the impetus of all this is or is this just 
I mean, were were you this nervous as a ten year old? I, I don't remember ever being nervous as a ten year old, but right. I'm also a dude, so like I, I don't know. Like I'm trying to figure it out. Right. I also don't remember being this nervous as a ten year old, but part of that too, I think, is my personality. I'm more of a like laid back, chill kind of person. Now, as an adult, I've definitely dealt with some anxiety, but I've talked to friends who say, "Yeah, I was a worried, anxious kid." But I also know that this generation is dealing with more worry and anxiety than ever before. I mean, when you look at the statistics, they're they're off the charts, honestly. And I don't even know, mm. like, now that we're almost post-COVID, <laughs> hopefully post-COVID, I think we'll have to, <laughs> right. right, we'll have to dig in and see what the statistics look like even now. Um, because what they're dealing with are things that we didn't have to deal with when I was 10. I mean, I didn't know what a pandemic was. And then the fact that sure. everything changed so quickly and everything changed like daily from, you know, schools like this to schools changing up to be like this to what we're required to do and not do. And then bigger things too, of like some of the girls were saying, well, am I, is school safe? Like, am I, is somebody going to come into my school mm. and harm me? Because that's a real thing these days. And, um, I know for some girls, they don't even want to watch commercials or the news because it, you trigger something scary for them. And I just think the things that they're having to deal with and think about and worry about are a lot different and bigger than when I was a kid. And so, yeah, that's the part that breaks my heart. And it, definitely makes me want to say like, okay, as adults, how do we come alongside them in this and give them a reminder of like where their safe place is, but also give them tools to handle these big worries that we didn't have to deal with. So luckily I'm, I married up and my wife is incredible. Yeah. And so she's, she's developed some um, affirmations that we say with Shiloh before bed. Um, that, and that was before we got the devotional. I'm kind of curious on what your thoughts are. Is, is there any other tools or techniques that you've seen parents do? Cause I, I know that there are a lot of parents listening who are like, man, I've got, I've got an angsty teen or I've got an angsty tween or like, I mean, anxiety and, and pressure is real. Um, do you have any thoughts and kind of what you've seen as you talk to more and more kids? Yeah, I think affirmations are incredible. It's a great way to end the day. I also have seen a lot of parents take scripture cards and put them on mirrors or around the house or let them stick it on their desk or something just to look at when they're needing mm -hmm. a reminder of you know what the Bible says about their fear and their worry. I think that's a great thing to do. And then two, like remembering... At that age, a lot of times they don't know how to verbalize what it is that they're truly feeling. And so mm. honestly, being really patient in having a conversation to kind of dig into, okay, I'm seeing some irritability here or some anger, but what is at the root of that, right? Like, is it that they're actually sad or they're actually scared? And I think patience is a big part of that and that, you know, we have to be careful to not always react to the big, like, outburst, but get to the root of what's going on and realizing that, you know, they're, they're developing, their little brains are developing, but also they're dealing with really big things. 
and not to brush that off. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Katie to remind you that the Reclamation Podcast is part of the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network, which is a ministry of Spirit and Truth. Spirit and Truth is a 501c3 awakening and equipping ministry that walks alongside the local church in disciple-making, evangelism, and the Holy Spirit. If you want to learn more about Spirit and Truth, get connected to our ministry, sign up for our weekly blog, go to spiritandtruth.life spiritandtruth.life. We're also looking for monthly partners. If you would consider giving to us to support the ministry, all the the gifts that you give go back to podcasts like this one and all the work that we do in the local church. Again, for more information and to get connected, spiritandtruth.life. I'm also curious, I, I would imagine writing a book like this about stressful things, about anxious things, like it, it could uh, possibly pick off some own uh, scabs in your own life. What, what did you learn about yourself in the writing process? Yeah, that's such a great question. It definitely did. Um, and I think writing this in the middle of a pandemic while also working a full-time job with, with a lot of responsibility, I never experienced as much anxiety as I did when I was writing it. And it was almost humorous because I was having to take the very things that I was writing about and and decide if it was true, right? So I was having to sit down and go, okay, God, um, you got to tell me that you've got this under control because I'm just grasping here for reminders that this is going to be okay. Like not just the book, but like in general, what we were living through and that you are going to take care of tomorrow and all these things. And so I found myself really clinging to scripture and one of the passages that I kept going back to is um, Psalm 23. And I know it's one that we recite or read a lot, but I kept going back to the first verse, which as a kid, I memorized the version that's um, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, but I had opened the CSB version, which said the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. And that just really wow. stuck out to me at that point. Cause I think that's what I was waking up with struggling with every day was, am I going to have what I need to get through all of these things? And so I would just wake up and say it, you know, every morning, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need and really clung to that. And, um, and just being reminded that like what I needed that day was Jesus. I needed a reminder that Mm. he was with me because day to day, you know, we were all trying to figure out, what our lives look like. Are we allowed to leave the house or not leave the house? Are we going to get sick? Are we going to be okay? Our family's going to be okay. All the things. And so instead of being like, God, today I need this. I didn't ever know what I needed. And so I, I had to remember, no, what I need is just a reminder that Jesus is with me and that because he is, that's what's going to change my day. Um, so yeah, it was, it was an interesting season for sure. That's beautifully said. And I, I think that there are probably some people listening who you're like, you're really hitting their heart. They need, they know that they need Jesus. They want more of him. I love to drill down just a little bit on like, um, one of the things that we always say around here, if you're not dedicated to your disciplines, you'll be destroyed by your distractions. And so I, I love to ask people, what are some of the disciplines that you do on a semi-regular or regular basis that keep you Jesus centered? Mm-hmm. Sure. 
Well, I'll be honest with you. Discipline is not my strong suit. So honestly, it's, <laughs> it's something I struggle with. But the thing that I do is definitely starting my morning with Jesus. It may look differently every day. Like I'm not the best at like, okay, I'm going to have this structure every single morning. But I do something to connect with him every morning. And it may be um, turning on worship music first thing to kind of get my mind there because I love, I'm a big music girl. So turning on worship music, um, sometimes I'm picking up my own like devotional that I'm reading or someone else's or, you know, whatever it may be. I'm picking up scripture. And at times I may be going through like a reading plan or at times I'm doing the whole thing where I just pick up the, the Bible and say, okay, God, where do you want me to land today? Um, podcasts are a big thing for me. I definitely listen to podcasts and like sermons and that kind of thing. So it looks differently, but I also know that when I start my day that way, it definitely changes the day. And so I know I've had years where I'm like, oh, I'll just make time when I can, but I've tried to be very consistent Mm. about having that morning time because I think it changes the day. Um, But yeah, yeah, those are some of my quote unquote disciplines (laughs) (laughs) that aren't very disciplined. (laughs) Well, I, you know, this is what I'd say is that what you've done really well is it sounds like you've set some guardrails, right? And so you yeah, you're, you're going to make sure that you don't go off the road. You're not going to exactly talk about what vehicle you're going to use to get down right. the road. Right. I just always really respect the people that do, you know, that they're like, this is my, this is my morning routine and it's always 30 minutes and I do this, this, and this. I'm like, man, that would, I wish I could be that consistent. I just am not. But I also have found the grace in like, I don't, I don't interact that way with other people. Like if I'm going to go meet up mm-hmm. with a friend every Wednesday for coffee, it might be a different place. We might talk about different things. And sure. so I've had to be like, wait, when I meet with God, it doesn't have to be formulaic and, you know, precise and this amount of time and da, da, da. Um, he meets us in different ways with different times and all that sort of thing. And one thing I was going to add to is I have a friend who we pray together once a week and we a lot of times can't be in person. So we've just decided, Hey, let's take 15 minutes on a Wednesday morning and call each other. And you tell me like, what are the things you're praying about and need prayer for this week? And I'll do the same. And then we, we pray for each other and then we're done. And it has been such a like basic, simple thing, but yet so profound just to have that accountability, but also have someone praying on your behalf for the week. Because then she comes back the next week and she says, so what happened with those things, right? And if it's something we're still praying for, we keep going. But um, that has been really special too. That's great. I I love the... um the intentionality behind the community. I think that that's something that a lot of us, and I actually think for, for my kids too, right? That's an area where I, I need to make sure that I'm plugging them into the body of the church sure. so that they have, you know, people in their lives who can speak into them and other Christian kids to help walk alongside them. Because eventually you're going to, I mean, it's only a matter of time for they're going to need somebody. And if, if you haven't introduced them to anybody, then you're going to end up, they're going to end up finding Somebody you don't want. I mean, and everybody, you know, I'm not, that didn't mean that sounded really judgmental as it came out of my mouth. I didn't mean it that way, but I just, I want everybody to be based in the same Christian values if I could manage it. You know what I mean? Yep. 
I hear you. Uh, so, so I, I want to, uh, sh- you know, my daughter Shiloh is going through the book and it, she's, she's loving it. And so I, I wanted to read something to you. Um, and it's, it's the, the question is, what have you learned about God so far that has been comforting to you? And this is, uh, I took her book today. I told her that I was going to, um, talk to you. And I was like, she was like, Oh dad, dad, dad. And I was like, what's up, babe. And she's like, I have something really important. And I thought she was going to have like this great question for you. And she was like, uh, don't lose my place in the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't mess her up, dad. (laughs) And I was like, well, do you have any, do you have any questions for Katie? And she's like, dad, just don't lose my place. I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Uh, yeah, she's an amazing girl. So, um, she wrote this. I have learned that even when I am nervous, I can still do things or when I'm scared that I know I'm not alone. Also, I learned that no matter how worried or scared I am, God is there no matter what. You know, that's been my biggest prayer for this book is that the like one thing, if they take away one thing, it's that God is always there with them. And so that that's incredible. That's what she's getting so far. Well, I, I know that Shiloh's not alone in this response. H- how has, um, what has God showed, what has God showed you in the responses that you're seeing from these, um, from these young ladies? Cause it, I, just on your Instagram, I, I get a little, I get a little weepy about yeah. the whole thing, you know, obviously cause it's my princess and all that jazz, but yeah. like, um, h- how has it, uh, what's, what's God been showing you in this process? Yeah, it is overwhelming and in a good way because every time somebody texts me a story or a picture of their girl with it or, or anything, I'm just reminded, I think I'm reminded how much that this was needed, but I didn't even know it. Like, I wish I had been that, Mm. you know, a futuristic, yeah, strategic and a visionary that was like, yes, they need this. But it really just started with money Shelby. And then out of it, God was like, no, we're going to take this farther. And so for me, I'm like, man, these girls, they're hungry for it too. Like Mm. you telling me about Shiloh not wanting to lose her place makes me laugh because I've had a lot of moms tell me, Hey, like my daughter keeps showing up late for breakfast because she's upstairs reading her Mm. devotional and she won't miss a day. And I'm like, this is, it's awesome. But I think it's because they truly just needed something to say, Hey, I see what you're feeling and going through and you're not alone in it because, um, there's so many resources out there for kids and teenagers, which is incredible. But what I found is there's a lot for like the younger kind of preschool age. And there's a lot for like, you know, 15, 16 and above, but there's this gap and, this gap of kind of like that eight to 12 ish range. And so I think they're feeling, I hope that they're being met like right where they are. Um, and that's really special to get to be a part of. Yeah. I I mean, I I listen, as I, um, see how it impacts Shiloh, what's really clear to me is that you let the Holy spirit use you as you wrote the book. And that's a, that's a really powerful place to be. Um, I, I am curious, what's 
what's next for your what's next for your writing do you have any uh, are you already working on something the only thing publishers love more than one book is two books. I know, right? Um, yes, that is the golden question. I am I'm not sure yet. There are a couple ideas that I'm processing with my publisher and honestly asking God, is this the right next step? Because I because of my publishing industry background, I know that we can like as Christians kind of get really worked up into the business model of like, okay, got to crank out the next thing. Right. And I want to make sure that collectively as a team that we're stepping back and just asking, is it the right next thing? And so I'm still in that process. There's, um, I know the listeners can't see this, but there's like a little giant post-it note behind me in this office space and it's got a lot of ideas and notes on it. And this morning I kind of stepped back and I was staring at it and just asking God, Hey, what's my role in this? Like, are these ideas Mm. on a piece of paper? Are they an Instagram post? Are they a book? Are they just a lesson that I need to teach to a small group of kids? You know, I don't, I don't know. So, um, we'll see. I will never stop you know, pouring into the next generation because I love them so much. But we'll see what the the book industry holds. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, my son Caleb wants to put in a request. I, yes. I heard you. I listened to you know, your podcast with Annie about tween boys, and he's 11. Okay. So he's one year older, just a little bit. He turns 12 in June. So okay. um, I was like, hey, Caleb, if I could convince Katie to write a devotional for tween boys, would you read it? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, oh, that's the perfect response from a tween boy. (laughs) It's it's so typical. My nephew said the same thing. He was like, I mean, I guess, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Well, are you going to make me read it? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. I'm like the parents, moms and dads are like, yes, boy version, let's go. But then I'm like, well, will the boys actually read it? Is this useful? And so that's where I'm I'm just trying to be intentional about what format that content is in because I want it to be helpful. Um yeah, I'd love to know, I mean if you're willing to share, do you feel yeah. like Caleb is is struggling with the same things Shiloh's struggling with? I mean, I know that the feelings for boys and girls are different, but as far as like worry and anxiety as a whole, what does that look like? So I coach um, a football team. I coach Caleb's football team. I'm uh, I'm the assistant football coach, and since I'm the pastor, I was a, f- a former local church pastor for a lot of years. Um, I don't actually know anything about football, and so I'm just the culture coach. Yeah, yeah. And so um, we always talk about the two things you can control is attitude and effort, mm. and um, and so for him, it, it looks different. Caleb's never worried about failing he's worried about losing sure and that pressure for him is real and and there's a um there's a a feeling inside of him when something feels unjust right like it's just different than like um all of my football players if there's a bad call will lose their mind like if yeah. they feel like they're they're not getting, you, you know, that they're that if they're getting like, uh, I can't think of an appropriate word, but you know what I mean, right? Like, um, if not treated fairly, fairness and winning 
are and and being respected as a young man are super important for them in this season like what does it mean to be a man of god like and when i tell like when caleb got to sit in the front seat that was a big mm. deal like because it, it's just a different kind of respect it's a different kind of the way the world sees him and the way that he sees him and so um he also is he and i, I most of my kids on my team have a very healthy bravado yeah. Yeah. And so figuring that out would be an interesting, um, that would be an interesting experiment. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I see that with my nephew loves football and is playing on a flag football team. And, um, you're right when there's a bad call or something, mm -mm, not handling it. But yeah, I think this is where I'm at is just asking a lot of questions of, parents of boys, of some counselors that I know that work with young boys, Um, you know, going back to a lot of my student ministry, pastor friends, and, and just kind of asking like, what is it that they really need and how are they responding to worry? Cause I think, you know, young boys, a lot of times respond out of anger, but it's at the root of it is actually some anxiety. And so I'm just, yeah, asking a lot of questions when I think about the next resource. That's good. I, I think that that's, um, that's a really good place to be. The, the other thing is um, I, I have really seen a struggle with young men in transitioning officially into manhood mm-hmm. and, and biblical manhood. Yeah. Um, because I get to talk to so many different people on the podcast, there's always some some really good you know, ideas or things that we've stolen from lots of different people, but figuring out how to create, how to form those young biblical men is an area that I often think about because it's just, I want that for them so badly. And I, I don't know how to put it in their hands in a, in a tangible way. Yeah. So if you could, if you could write that and make it really, you know, really actually in the next six months would be great because he's, (laughs) you know, his birthday's in June, right. so I don't think you'll make June, but maybe by Christmas. Yeah, if I can speed this thing up and really get it going. I know. Well, what's interesting is my nephew Blake turns 10 in June. So I oh. am writing a 10-day something for him because I have to, right? Well, not because I, I want to, but it – You yes. want to, but if you don't, you'll be actually yes. you know, pushed exactly. out. Um, but it feels like a chance to actually – you know, test it out, see, see what he thinks and, um, and where we go from there. So it'll be interesting. I I would tell you that, um, you could replace some of the journaling questions with a physical fitness challenge. You're no, you're spot on. I was like, I cannot give boys a blank page of, of notes just to fill in. So yeah, you're spot on. Nope. (laughs) And so if like, memorizing scripture while doing push-ups feels on brand for most of my That's team. That's right. I love it. That's so good. Well, uh, listen, I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, I, I know my listeners are going to want to follow um, what God is doing through you and how to connect with you. Where's the best place to find all yes. things Katie? So I mostly hang out on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Katie Boat. It's K-A-T-Y-B-O-A-T. And you also can find out more about me at katieboatman.com. But those are the two places. 
That's awesome. Um, okay. Last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice question, um, except I'm going to ask you to give yourself one piece of advice, uh, but I get to name the time and the place. So oh, Tony, uh, this is you the mentioned, yeah. <laughs> I know, <laughs> um, you mentioned that you moved back to Nashville after uh, a stint in Dallas. And, uh, and I'm, I'm wondering if you um, pull up a chair in front of that younger version of Katie and you sat knee to knee with her and you held her hands and you looked her in the eye, what's the one piece of wisdom that you're giving her? I think I would tell her that she's going to be okay because I think in my early 20s, my mind was very much thinking about kind of the natural life stages that the world tells us to go, like finding a husband and having children and wondering if those things don't happen in my 20s, then what? And now that I'm 35 and I'm not married yet and don't have children yet, I know without a doubt that I'm okay and that God still has a plan. And it may not be, it may not ever be a husband or children for me. And that is okay. I feel so confident in just resting in him and life Mm. with him and ministry with him that feels like at this point, husband and children would just be a gift. And I hope to still have that. But I think young Katie was just thinking about that's the only thing I'm striving for and looking for. And I want her to know that she is going to be okay. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's a, a good word for all of us. Katie, thank you so much for your generosity today for this resource, for your heart and soul, for the next generation, and for being a committed disciple maker. Um, Just really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was so fun to be with you. Thank you. Guys, I'm so thankful for Katie and her ministry. Having a twin girl, I know how important it is. They're just angsty little humans. I love my princess so much, and I'm so thankful to have a devotional in her hands that has made a huge difference. Just being reminded of God's promises is so important for all of us. So, hey, if uh, if this was helpful for you, maybe pick up a copy of Katie's book, leave a a rating or review about the podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and share this episode with a friend. It does go such a long way in helping people find the podcast. Guys, I'm thankful for each and every one of you, and uh, I look forward to connecting with you later this week in our monologue episodes. Remember, guys, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.